Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Astrid Carter, Lou Half, and Pascal Day. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hello. How's everyone's weekends? I just haven't done anything. Like, it feels weird to be around this many people. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't seen anyone in, like, four days. Well, well, <laughs> well, why have you been in hibernation? Just because you've been falling? Yeah. And then I made my boyfriend ill, so just been living in this horrible <laughs> cesspit of illness. <laughs> nice. For, like, the past two days. Fresh. Yeah. It's not been the best weekend, is what I'll say. Okay. Anyone else? <laughs> I had a really nice weekend. Okay. I um, went back home to Bristol to see my mum and basically just had a weekend of lying on the sofa, watching t- having baths and it was really nice I felt like I really needed it mm. what did you watch so on Saturday night we watched Adrift I don't know if anyone's seen oh, that. that it's a true story it's with Sam Claflin and Charlene Woodley oh yeah Shailene, oh, yeah. Shailene Woodley oh, yeah. and basically they sail from I think it's like Hawaii to San Diego and they basically get caught in a hurricane and are adrift for 41 days and it's a true story and it is so incredibly interesting. I love things like this. There's literally only the two of them in it, but it's an amazing story about like courage and strength and it's just amazing. Is it not incredibly depressing and harrowing to watch? No, I quite like that type of thing. <laughs> yes, but you quite like it. Yeah, it is. But it's sort of, I think for me, the test of a good film is how I feel afterwards and I was so thoughtful about so many different things mm. and it really made me evaluate things in my life and I just really enjoyed it. So why is that? Because what they delve into like other issues yeah, whilst they're addressed. It's really hard to talk about it. There's a really big spoiler. If you don't want to hear, just shut off right now. But she basically wakes up after this big storm and she's the only one on the boat. And she then notices that the dinghy is in the sea and that she thinks she sees him on there. So anyway, she goes and she saves him and puts him on the boat and is sort of looking after him and he can't do anything. He's like broken his ribs. Anyway, Everything she's doing is for him and she's sort of learning how to fix this boat and just trying to get through everything. Actually, it transpires that she's hallucinating the whole thing and he isn't alive. And there's this one bit where, you know, she says, I need to let you go now. And then it kind of goes to the, the, like the, the, the section of the boat. Oh God, yeah. And he isn't there and you realise he hasn't been there the whole time. Ooh, but bit the, the, But the thought of him being there is what has got her through. Do you mean like the whole time he wasn't there at all? No, no. The, when they went off on the boat trip, he was there. <laughs> um, she wasn't just like completely mental. Post-hurricane, <laughs> he basically, he gets swept overboard and yeah. hits his head and sinks. And, and is, I think oh, I actually, I think he's swept to shore. But she believes that he is there. And so that oh. is sort of what's keeping her going, knowing that he's there. And it's wow. just, okay, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, it, was, it was just really amazing. And, and there's this one bit where he talks to her about, you know, the fact that he's got her in this mess and because he was the one that was doing the sail trip. And she says, but, you know, if you hadn't been here, if this hadn't happened, I would have never had you and had our relationship and everything that they went through. So, I don't know, I just found it really poignant. And I just think stories like that, you know, when people go through things like that, so brave and incredible. So, yeah, I just found it really amazing. Wow. 
Sounds good. Sorry for spoiling it. <laughs> Ashes, what have you been watching? I've been watching something quite random. Well, not random, totally brilliant, but old. Mad Men is on Netflix now. So I've gone back mm. and I'm on about series six now. Mm. Has anyone watched it? No, I know it's like I got to like old. season three and then I felt like it was a bit repetitive. I started watching it when it first came out, which was, God, it must have been like 10 years yeah, ago or something. Or more, yeah. And I did find it quite slow. So I gave up. But now I think as I'm a bit older, I just appreciate it so much more. Like mm. the costumes, the set design. Mm. Like it must have taken so long to set up every single scene. Mm. Like it's just such an amazing achievement of TV, I think. And are the storylines good? Yeah, they are. It's just fascinating when you watch it in these, like in a binge watch, to see how the characters develop and like the demise of Don Draper and everything like that and how Peggy Draper changes so much. And I think when it was on TV, because you have to wait so long, you kind of forget about all those little stories. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to be able to just binge the hell out of it. And sometimes I think those shows not don't work, but often they weren't made for binging because if they were something that was made for television, they were made to be consumed mm. more slowly. So it's really nice when actually it does translate into yeah, a good binge watch completely. as well. And I love the fact that they use real brands. Um, they do in, they? Yeah, so like at the moment they're talking about ketchup and like fish fingers and... Is it Lucky Strike is the cigarettes? Lucky yeah. Strike, yeah. yeah. They just lost like the big... Jaguar account like you can just really mm. imagine that that's what it was yeah. like yeah. yeah that's really yeah, cool it's really cool so I would it's on Netflix now so I would definitely recommend it cool just whilst we're on subject of shows I've been watching one off documentary called Abducted in Plain Sight has anyone else seen it no but I did really enjoy your piece on it it is so mental like I can't get over it it's just like I mean I don't want to ruin it for everyone but I kind of have to like give the details away this girl is just abducted by her neighbour twice and her parents just like the most ridiculous people oh wait is this the one where he like befriends the family yeah so he like befriends this family and then like he starts having an affair with the mum and then the dad like tosses him off in a car what yeah so he's like basically having a sexual relationship with her mum and her dad and this like 12 year old girl where did this happen and when oh it's definitely in america (laughs) (laughs) i think it might be illinois I think it was in like um, the 80s, right? 70s. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was years ago. <laughs> yeah. So he like abducts her the first time and he just says that he's going to take her horse riding and he like immediately drugs her and they go to Mexico where he marries them because you could get married when you were like 12 in Mexico or 13 or something like that. And he tells her that they're on a mission, that there's aliens and that the alien's going to take over her family if she doesn't like have sex with him and all this kind of stuff. Eventually he gets bored and just wants to come back to America. (laughs) And he's just like, if I bring Jan back, can you not press charges against me? And they're like, no, like that's going to happen. So he comes back anyway, he gets arrested and he's married like this guy is married and his wife comes around and visits the family it's like you need to drop these charges these like kidnapping charges against I think they call him B and because he's had sex with the mum and the dad he's like we're going to leak this and they're like oh well that might ruin our image (laughs) so (laughs) they drop the charges against him is he like a master manipulator or is it just coincidental that they're all completely fucked up I think it's just a family of dum-dums they're like (laughs) the worst parents who would ever be like well I don't want the neighbours to know that I've had an affair. Because they weren't, like, famous, these people. No. <laughs> no. no. Maybe, maybe, maybe on their road. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Big your neighbours are like this man, so it doesn't really matter. And, like, whose yeah, wife would... Yeah, neighbour is that guy. Whose wife would go along with that? So they come back. He continues the affair with the mum. 
So she's still what? has over so him. She still has him. He's kidnapped her daughter. This girl is like brainwashed, still believes they're on a mission. And he's told the parents that he's like doing this psychology thing. And it involves listening to a tape and laying next to this like 12 year old girl in the bed. And they're just like, oh, that helps. Sure. <laughs> It's mad. And then they kidnap, he kidnaps her again. It's insane. It's crazy. And this is all 100% true. It's a documentary. It's not dramatised or anything. Yeah, no, it's all true. It's so weird. And then I think the girl, Jan, she like grew up, I think she's an actress now. And she wrote a book and her mum was like, oh, well, let's write the book together. I'd be like, no, I don't want to do this with you. Like, you ruined my childhood. It sounds like her mum likes to like encroach on her life. Yeah. Quite a lot. But the way her mum talks about like their affair is really like. Cool. So do they interview the people? It's not just made up of like archives. No, I think it was made in like 2017. The dad died like shortly after they made it, but it's just the family. And then I think this B guy, I think his brother's in it because he was like, well, I need to stand up for my brother because he's dead. He like killed himself. But I just feel like don't stand up for Peter is basically like the message. Even if it's your brother, it's the big takeaway. Yeah. Is it worth watching? Like it's really mind blowing stuff. It's so worth watching. I like that it's a one off as well. I think sometimes with those Netflix true crime series, they really draw it out and it's like oh I've only learned one thing in this episode like you could have put yeah like the Ted Bundy one was minutes. a bit long yeah well, even making a murderer so it gets making quite very repetitive I had to stop it yeah was, was I didn't nothing, get through yeah. that shame did anyone watch Baptiste last night no Ooh, so good so it's from the makers of The Missing anyway the same detective is back Julian Baptiste who is a legend and he'd been out of work for a while and he's put back on this case and it's Tom Hollander's niece that has gone missing in Amsterdam and it sort of started out like as the beginning episode of one of these things happens and I was like okay this is fine it's sort of ticking all the boxes of what this type of thing would be and then at the end there was a mega twist and I was like <laughs> juicy this is just what I need <laughs> on a Sunday night now so I'm very excited to watch how that unfolds this is it on the BBC? BBC One Sunday nights 9 o'clock get I love involved. Tom Hollander he's so good he's so good in everything yeah really really good let's talk about getting on top of your bills we've been running a series with the adult bible your number one source when it comes to winning at adulting and they've given us their top tips for controlling your personal finances so i want to know how do you guys stay on top of your bills i get my boyfriend to do it I don't think I've ever like dealt with bills before in my life. So what about your own things? That's fine for the shared stuff, but what about like my phone, my phone bill. bill? Yeah, your travel, that kind of thing. Well, for my phone bill, like it just comes out automatically on like the first of the month. Mm-hmm. Like it has to come out then, otherwise, like I would just won't have enough money to pay it. Yeah. any other time. Well, so that's quite that's one way on top of it. Yeah, because we talked about that the other day, didn't we? Yeah, I cha- yeah. changed all my utilities mm. to come out at the beginning of the month, yeah. and you know exactly what you've got left. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Travel. I don't buy like a travel card anymore, which I used to, and I used to like having my travel card because then you could just go anywhere, mm. and like you know how much money you've got to put away. But because I only get the bus here, that I don't more. need it. Mm. My thing with travel, I do do that. I get a travel pass at the beginning of the month, and that's because I'd much rather that bulk goes out at the beginning of the month rather yeah. than having to budget it all the way through to the end of the month. It is quite hard, and like if you go and visit friends after work one day, that's like an extra lot of money that you've got to budget in mm. that you wouldn't necessarily budget in the beginning of the month. Yes, if that makes sense. If you're assuming you're just going to and from work on the bus, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm not very good at that. Okay. <laughs> 
Lou? Yeah, I think the key is just to try and do as much as you can around payday so that to come the beginning of the month, you kind of, you know where you're at with everything. So trying to do as much as you can on direct debit, I think is really helpful because also sometimes we used to get paper bills and it was like, your bill is due. And then you have to go to the faff of paying it. And we would literally always week after week, just kind of let it go on. Then you get reminders. And I was like, God, like I'm a grown up. I really shouldn't be doing this now. Mm. So I think just as much as you can. And often you can get a better rate actually when you pay your bills on direct debit so that'd be my advice so like our water bill for example yeah, used to exactly. be twice a year and then it was like a couple of hundred quid which was yeah. irritating or you could pay 30 quid a month so exactly we just switched it and that's and much more manageable as well yeah. it will be taking like an estimate and then i don't know six months in either you're under or you're over one of the points on here was prioritization which I think is probably one of the most difficult things for people. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have a good way of nailing it? So I can't do this anymore, but in my old job, I used to work from my own laptop. So that meant that I had my work computer and my home computer like on me at the whole time. And so I kept a spreadsheet of every expenditure, like every single one. So, and I allocated how much I could spend per week and had a spreadsheet so that I filled it in and I could see how much I spent and how much more I could spend for that week. I've never been so on top of money mm. as in that time. Like I was the very beginning of my career a lot less money then but I was a lot more on top of my outgoings that way there weren't many incomings <laughs> because I knew exactly what I was spending and I'm so guilty now of thinking I have so much more money than I have yeah. and then looking at oh, my yeah. savings and being like oh shit I think there's definitely times when you can be more on top of it and I think if you're saving for something particular or you know you need X amount then you can obviously look at your salary and, and take out what is needed for sort of bills and expenses and things like that and then see what you've got left and and then sort of work it out. So I think there are definitely times when you can be more on top of it. You just need to be really organised. Yeah. Mm. We try and be really organised with food. So I think often it's very easy to fall into a habit of, you know, every time you come home from work, popping to say no's and buying a few bits and it can really, really add up. So we try and do a shop once a week and sort of plan probably three meals and then we'll sort of top other bits up from there. So I think that really helps. It's so true. And I think also like in this kind of millennial delivery Uber Eats culture that we live in, people think, oh, Saturday night, Friday night we'll just stay in and get a takeaway because it'll be cheaper it's actually not mm-hmm. like, it just costs the same as right. going for dinner gotcha. this piece also talks about negotiating the non-negotiables so just because an expenditure is compulsory it doesn't mean you have to pay the kind of set amount so that means thing, you know, negotiating things like your phone bill and your internet that kind of thing are you guys any good at that? yeah I always do that do you? love a bit of negotiation do a bit you... of complaining to utility companies has anyone ever changed their energy provider? that's the one that I always probably go to about no, not doing no because I actually got a letter I think from which basically saying if you change to this, you would say this much per month, this one, this much per month, blah, blah, blah. But I was just like, oh, the fast mm. of having to change and get like new people out, change all of this. I was just always a bit of a fan. Yeah, I agree. Always read your meter, though. That's something yeah. that I think our generation, they just don't think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really does make a difference. And actually, when it's been estimated and you're under, it's a really great feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I do actually have a good tip for saving a little bit of money. So, you know, there's like two months in the year that you don't have to pay your council tax. Yeah. Just keep paying it. and then Sorry, what? That doesn't that, happen to me. No, it does. It so does. You, you're, you'll probably do a rebate. I've never had a so rebate. It's like, it's like February and March or something. Yeah, you, you don't, don't pay. But they're not going to just send it to you. You need to like phone them up. But also sometimes what? if you're paying by direct debit so they, they just, yeah, yeah spread it, it out. it's like spread out over yeah. 12 so months only if you're actually paying it yourself every month uh, yeah no i pay so it i actually that happened to me for a couple of years and i moved out of my flat and i called the council up to like sort it all out change dress blah 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 and they were like oh we owe you 300 pounds <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> so that's, good. Like, that's amazing 
Let's talk about quirky kitchen utensils. Now, we wrote a list of the 10 that you didn't know you needed. And these are the fun tools that can help solve those kitchen dilemmas. Astrid, quite a culinary whiz. (laughs) Any hacks for cooking that we need to know about? I have the avocado slicer, which is amazing. Because apparently avocado hand, I think it's called, is a thing now. There's like a massive increase in people going to A&E with avocado-related injuries. What, they slice themselves? Yeah, from getting the stone out with a knife. So my mum actually put a knife through her hand from getting an avocado stone out. Wait, why do people do that? You know, you can just use a spoon to spoon it out. Why would you ever use a knife? I think people think they're quite chef-y and they like to do it. Rush. And um, like one utensil at a time, like you've sliced it open, yeah. you don't want to get an extra spoon out. But um, the avocado slicer, I, if this is the same one that I've got, is brilliant. I think mine's from Waitrose. Does it get the stone out? Yeah, it's kind of like a round bit at the top, and that literally just pulls the stone out, and then you push that into the flesh of the mm. avocado, and it literally perfectly slices it and brings it out. Yeah, it's like a hollow circle yeah. thing with like lines going through it, so those lines are the thing that slices into the yeah. avocado. Mm. Anyway, it works, get one. It really does. Anyone else? I I've been actually given a few of these gadgets, but I'm quite traditional actually when it comes to these things. I always find like they're fun for about five minutes and then you're like, actually, but I got given an avocado topper. So when you cut open your avocado so it doesn't go brown, you normally cover it with like clump and whatever. Mm. It was like a little plastic topper, but I don't know. It wasn't really for me. I agree with you. I used to have, instead of oven mitts, they were like these little plastic. Oh, them, yeah. they, they're like, mine look like animals. So like like a little, little frog and a little pig. Yeah, and they're like a pincer for your hands made of plastic. But then I kept burning the top of my hand on the oven because they cut, you know how an oven glove goes to like you know, halfway down yeah. your arm? Mm. But they would go to like halfway down your hand. So you could then very easily burn yeah. like, between your wrist and your hand. You can yeah. get on the full of hand ones made of the same material. They're like silicone. Because I actually yeah. really like using them. It's yeah, much they're less, really good. You feel like it's more tangible than like a big cushioned um, mm. glove. Pascal? No, I don't have anything. I'd like the rubberway bar, I think. And also, I didn't include this on there, but some goggles for like when you cut onions and stuff. It's not so much onions, (laughs) but like when I cut garlic, it stings my eyes so much. And then I can't, like I have to leave the room. Yeah. One trick is to put a teaspoon in your mouth when you're cutting an onion. Do you think that actually really? works? Uh, it really helps for me. Yeah, it stops me chewing. Very <laughs> cheap. But more chic than having goggles yeah, on. Than goggles. Also fair. Yeah. It's amazing. When you wear contact lenses, it doesn't happen anymore. So, yeah, really? when I got contacts, it just changed my life. I don't have to cry anymore. It's amazing. They probably uh, look better than goggles as well. They do. They do. You'd never know. I really fancy a garlic rocker. I don't know well, I haven't just bought one yet, but somebody was talking about one. Oh, we've got one of them, actually. I really fancy one. Because I've got into that really lazy habit of buying like the pre-cut garlic Ooh, lazy it's so oh lazy but it's just so easy when you'll get, get home late from work and you can just like shove it all yeah. into a thing yeah. but I actually there's a kind of vinegariness to it because okay, it's in it's like a, a brine it? it is a bit mm, yeah. I much prefer the taste of fresh garlic so I, I must okay. get the I also get the pre-cut ginger which is really game changing it's hard to that cut sense. the peel off of yeah. ginger isn't it again top maybe teaspoon yeah teaspoon That's back, what you mean. back to front back so to front just kind of like wrap it around the ginger and just pull it down really so much easier than chopping off less wasteful yeah. Surely it's not soft enough to just pull No, it is. It works. It's yeah. really soft. Really? And then you obviously have to chop the gin. The yeah, actual but it, yeah, just, yeah. it just takes like the fine peel off without like taking half oh, the ginger oh, off, basically. Well, you learn something new every day. Do you have social jet lag? Many of us have two routines, one for the working week and another for the weekends. But this pattern of sleep could be causing social jet lag, which is a term coined by Till Runenberg, professor of chronobiology, whose study revealed the sleep discrepancy. Pascal, can you explain exactly what it means? 
It's basically like, you know, when you have like your sleeping pattern in the week and you'll be like, I get up at seven and I go to bed at 10. And then at the weekend you have a lie in and then you stay up later. Like that will ruin how you are supposed to sleep. So like, you know, when you go to sleep on a Sunday night and then you just can't sleep because you've got up late. And then that just, like, affects you for the rest of the week. That's what social check is. So it's more about your sleeping patterns than how social you are. Yeah, it's like, we're not made to have that pattern of sleep. Like, we're made to have one pattern of sleep all the way through, rather than just, like, having a weekend is a thing that came about in, like, the 20th century. Mm. I feel like the social thing comes in that you might have late night on a Friday or a Saturday. Yeah, like, now yeah. or uh, you yeah. have social... It's kind of associated with going out. Right? Yeah. And so how big a discrepancy does it have to be to give you jet lag? So if you normally wake up at 7, for example, how late on the weekend do you have to wake up to give yourself jet lag? Like, how many hours? I don't think it matters that much. I think it's more like just changing it up is taking you out of that pattern. So even an hour could give yeah, you Yeah, I think so, yeah. I really use the weekends to catch up on sleep. Do you guys do the same? What when I was younger, it? actually, I used to be able to sleep in way later. Now I think I've got a really strong body clock, so I can probably sleep into, like, 8.30. If I hit 9, I am mm. buzzing, and I feel like I've had, like, 14 hours sleep. <laughs> but not as much as I used to. Maybe more on I'm on holiday I think because you're sort of in a different place but I know in my own bed I definitely have a body clock yeah like last week I try and keep my weeks quite free because I love my eight hour sleep but last week I went for dinner on Tuesday cinema on Wednesday which was actually the worst one because I didn't get to bed till midnight Mm. just from going to the cinema and then I met a friend for a drink on Thursday. So I, was, I basically went to bed like an hour later than I normally would on three consecutive nights. And by Friday, I was so tired. Mm. I know that sounds ridiculous, just like no, one extra hour. But it does make a difference. Yeah, it does. Okay, so this piece gave some suggestions for how to combat your social jet lag. That included not snoozing your alarm, get up as soon as it goes off. Is anyone guilty of snoozing? I snooze all the time. I really? snooze once and then I get up. Okay. So it's totally pointless. I think it's because it's cold in the summer I'm much better like mm. I jump out of bed but I'm like it's too cold to get out Lou? no I actually my boyfriend says I pole vault out of bed as soon as the alarm goes off do you get out, out as soon as the alarm goes yeah, off yeah I'm really quick actually wow. I get excited about breakfast basically <laughs> oh yeah Pascal snoozer yeah I snooze twice I have like weirdly one alarm set for like quarter to seven and then my other arm's at eight. <laughs> so it's like, they're really pointless. But you could be having That's such outrageous. A... What? Yeah. I know, I, do I, I think I had like good intentions of getting up and going to the gym at like seven and it's just never happened. Yes. And so I just haven't turned it off. minutes in there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You could just have So you're hour. just basically rudely interrupted yeah. before you actually get up. It makes me feel better about myself if I know that I've woken up before seven. And then yeah. got back. <laughs> and then I do go back to sleep. <laughs> I would always have as long amount of sleep as possible rather than like waking up with short intervals. Yeah. So when people set their alarms like four in a row, I don't know, like if my boyfriend's got to get up and he'll be like 6.45, 7 o'clock, 7.15, 7.30. I'm like, please, we just just set the latest one (laughs) possible (laughs) because you're waking me up with the first one and I'm not going to be able to go back to sleep. Completely agree. The only thing I say is Ben wakes up maybe like 40 minutes before me and I wake up with his alarm and then kind of immediately go back to sleep. And I really noticed that if he's not there and my 
my alarm is the first thing to wake me up. I'm way more tired because I'm being woken up, you know, when I'm still fast asleep. Whereas at least that preliminary wake up does ease your body out of the sleep a bit. Yeah. I actually pretty much always wake up naturally at about 5.30. So I probably should just get up then. No. Oh, no. But when I have had to do that, like Mm. if I'm going on holiday or like we've got an early crazy Mm. shoot or something, I feel absolutely fine. I feel like anything with a five in it is just too early. It sounds too early, but actually if if your body's ready for it and you went to bed like at a reasonable time, then it's fine. But if you like your eight hours, mm. that means going to be asleep at 9.30 pretty early. When would you say that night ends and day begins? So when would you be like, oh, is up like really late night or wake up really early? Ooh. I think four something okay. is early in the morning. Three anything is in the middle of the night. Yeah. 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 Okay. I agree. Yeah. It's usually like holidays when you're getting up at that time, isn't no, it? Or yeah. when you're like, when you can't sleep. Oh, I don't have that problem. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do suspect that you suffer from social jet lag, the advice is not to snooze your alarm, get up as soon as it goes off, have a shower within the first few minutes of waking and increase your exposure to natural sunlight as much as you can in the early morning. I think that one's key, isn't it? We all find it a lot easier to wake up in the summer anyway. So bring on summer, that's what I say. Pascal, I was really excited when I saw this piece put into the calendar called The Relationship Between Mums and Their Sons. I think you actually say it in the calendar as, what is it with mums and their sons? <laughs> We've all heard stories of boyfriends with overbearing mothers. Some are funny and some are just plain awkward. But what's the deal, Pascal? What is with, the deal? With mums and their sons. Why did you feel the need to write this? It was more like I read this article that BuzzFeed did and it was like they were asking people to write in about their bad relationships with their mother-in-laws and it was just like so many people. I think they said three of them in the end and there were just so many stories that were just so awful and I have had my fair share of bad mother-in-laws I guess and I just was like it just really intrigues me because as soon as I said it to people in the office everyone was like even if it's just like a brother they were like yeah my mum treats them much better than she treats me kind of thing (laughs) so there's definitely something in it and I just like really wanted to know and I googled it and no one had really ever said anything about it I was like I need to know Okay. What it is. So what did you find out? So I spoke to a family counsellor and I spoke to this woman who specialises in like tense relationships between mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. And they were both just like, I think mums just have influence over their sons for so long. And then when someone takes over that, they just really don't like it. So the thing that I found kind of going back to the beginning of it all, the really disturbing is that a survey of 2,500 mums showed that almost 90% of mums admitted they treated their sons differently to their daughters and are twice as likely to criticise their daughters than their sons. That's mad, isn't it? That is mad. Mm. So you don't have a brother, Pascal. The rest of us only have one brother, so it's a pretty good measure. Have you guys ever felt victim to this before? Definitely. I mean, my mum completely loves us both the same, and me and my mum have a really, really close relationship. But there's just something about, like, mums and their sons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, my brother could literally get away with murder, and my mum's like, oh, he's just my boy, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> If I did it, would speak to me for about three days. Yeah, I agree. Lou? No, actually, I don't think I've ever experienced it with my mum and my brother. Oh, nice. Well, I agree with you, Astrid. Like, yeah, my mum and I are really close, but my mum and my brother are just like bum chums. <laughs> <laughs> just love each other. They always have done. And so then, Pascal, going on to then the relationships thing, like further down the line, mm-hmm. I thought this was really interesting that somebody you spoke to said there could be all sorts of evolutionary stuff going on, perhaps that we need our men to protect us. I know that that's a very anti-feminist way of thinking, but there's that sense that we want our boys to grow up strong and healthy so that they'll be there for us. Yeah. Do you think that's true? I do. I think mum's just like, like when they get older like everyone wants their kids to look after them when they're older but I suppose like 
people do perceive men as being like stronger mm. so yeah I do think there's something in that I do think it is quite an old fashioned thing like it might change with our gen- like when we have children like things like my mum's not really critical of me at all but like say we're going to a family do or going to see family friends or something she does like me to look nice <laughs> like and expects it of me yeah. whereas like she wouldn't say anything to my brother she's always like darling you're gonna put some makeup on it's or, so true like <laughs> yeah. are you really gonna wear that like she wouldn't say that to my brother ever yeah. That's really interesting. I don't know if it will change because I reckon it's so much more. I think it's more like Edipal than that. It's way more deep rooted. But I would have thought that most girls I know who have a mother, I would have thought their mums could rely a lot more on their daughters than their sons. Not because of anything to do with their behaviour, but just that daughters are more of a constant. I think if I had a son and a daughter, regardless of their personalities, I'd feel safer in the hands of the daughter long term. Yeah, my mum definitely relies on me way more than my brother. But that again is like he gets away with murder and mm. I organise absolutely everything (laughs) yeah okay so Pascal what was the conclusion the relationship between mums and their sons if you're stuck with a man who has a funny relationship with his mum what can you do about it basically they just said kind of just talk it through remain positive and I think her name was Denise was like bring the mother-in-law to therapy and I was like well I'm not sure that would work that well no but yeah just like have conversations and just try and set boundaries and I think that's really important and do you have those conversations with the mother-in-law or with your partner I think you have them with your partner and then it's up to them to talk to their mum mm. and sort it out because if it's already tense with you there anyway I don't think you telling his mum what to do is yeah. going to be mm. a good situation and do you think that the men in those situations can see the situation and can read the situation like if you had brought it to his attention would he know no from my experience I don't feel like they do they're just so used to it that they need someone to be like this isn't right this isn't normal Mm. yeah I don't think people do realise because they're just brought up like that aren't they Mm. yeah that's just it might be run so much deeper than the surface yeah and I think with most things like this like it it really is a spectrum like we can all laugh and joke about our situations but it's not actually that serious but in some cases I guess it is especially when it's your partners and stuff involved yeah okay let's end by chatting about aphrodisiacs this fell in line with Valentine's Day Pascal I feel like we roll you out on the podcast every now and again to talk about all the funny articles (laughs) for us in the week but this one was so worth it. You decided to test whether aphrodisiacs can really improve your sex life and you measured it with what you'd coined the hornometer morning, noon and night. So tell us, what did you try and did it work? First of all, no, nothing worked. And it was mostly just fruit. And then I felt really, like, duped into eating a lot of fruit. When I read it, I felt like the things that you tried weren't stereotypically aphrodisiacal, if that's the I agree. I expected, like, some strawberry... Were there strawberries in here? Strawberries yeah, in here, but, like, oysters or mm, just... Champagne. I don't know, like, you when I read oysters. it, I was like, oh, I have strawberries, brown and avocado every day, and I'm not particularly horny. The thing is... I'm not made of money. Maybe you're and immune I to it now. <laughs> yeah, but you don't like oysters, do you? No. So I feel like they're not going to make me horny because... They'll make you feel sick. Yeah, I'm just going, Yeah, so I just ate some fruit, which is what I eat in the morning anyway. So what fruit was particularly recommended? Strawberries and raspberries. Okay. Did you have to eat them in a different way? <laughs> <laughs> just dangle them into my mouth. Nice. <laughs> or I get Ollie to just pop them in there for me. 
Yeah, but like, as I said, I wouldn't feel horny in the morning anyway. Like, I hate mornings so much that they're a massive turn-off for me. <laughs> okay, you can't really, like, boost your libido at that time anyway. No, okay. no, so I can't really blame the strawberries there, to be honest. I liked the reason why strawberries were considered an aphrodisiac, because of its heart shape and red colour. Yeah. Mm, I'm not sure that's really going to work in 2019, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was your sex fest, as you described it. Did I um, sex You did, instead of breakfast. <laughs> Sexfest brackets, yes, really. <laughs> okay, and then a mid-morning snack, you turned to what? An, an apple. apple. I don't believe... I'm with Lou. I don't believe that an no. apple is going to make you really horny no. at mid-morning. This is what Google Any told me. Any particular kind of apple? You splashed out on a pink lady. I went for a pink lady. You should have splashed out on an oyster, if I'm honest, but yeah. sure. What would be the sexiest apple, do you think? <laughs> no, I would pink agree. Lady. I, would, I would have said it would be that. Not bit. Granny Smith. No. <laughs> Not I guess it depends what you're into. Golden delicious. <laughs> yeah, this is what Google told me okay. and then a banana and a banana which because I get you get I, I get that bananas are because <laughs> they're like just quite phallic because of the shape I'm not so sure mushy. that's how it works I don't think it comes down to shape <laughs> no because you reference how you ate it yeah. sorry so what <laughs> not only are they sexy to eat in front of others really I think that was a do you break banana in into bits and then yes I slice my banana onto oatcakes every day but if I do happen to like have to eat a banana on the train I try so hard not to make eye contact with people it's so awkward oh I make strong noise I do <laughs> <laughs> actually that's you're going back on your work because you said that you weren't sure about bananas in your words do I want to have such superhuman strength in my pelvic floor that my orgasms can crush a man's penis like it's a flimsy old coke can was that in reference to the consistency of a banana no this is a fact I read on a website that I don't 100% trust I have to say <laughs> but it said that it's like key in developing the strength of the muscles in your vagina oh, I understand <laughs> what bananas like are good for that strength. yeah okay. I feel like you stumbled across some quite niche website there that you probably shouldn't have been on. Yeah. <laughs> Clear cash, that's what I'm saying. Fair enough. So, but that doesn't sound like it will actually boost your hornometer. I just felt very healthy. Okay. And then what about the Tyrrell's aphrodisiac crisps? Oh, what they were very were they? nice. They were very nice crisps. You like Tyrrell's. I love Tyrrell's. <laughs> Again, everything I think on this list I really enjoy. I think we need a bit of context because Tyrrell's aren't generally an aphrodisiac. No. No. <laughs> They're not. What flavour were they? They were honey and chilli. It was a very strange flavour that you kind of have to get used to. And were they coined aphrodisiac crisps? Tyrrell's told me. Right. But it's not on the packaging. Well, it, it is. It's it was brought out for Valentine's oh, okay, cool. Day. It's called an aphrodisiac crisp and that their crisps have provocative effects on the body. The honey tinkering with your hormone levels and the chilli triggering endorphins. Oh, increasing heart rate and yeah. making you sweat. Gross. I do get that the chilli makes you sweat. But that's <laughs> not so you got with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Although, like, the only thing that I was like, yeah, I kind of get it is, like, the chocolate. Because so where did chocolate come up? It was Next. just after. It was like a weird old lunch. Did you <laughs> eat other things around this as well, or was it purely these snacks? This is just what I ate. So nothing else? So no, like, full meals? Oh, I had, like, a dinner, like, a proper dinner. Okay. Wait, go back to so chocolate. I might have been conditioned to feel like chocolate is sexy from flake adverts. Oh. <laughs> did you eat a flake? I didn't eat a flake, but do you remember those flake yeah, adverts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I like, think like, they're, like, too sexy adverts. for TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah like that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, and then dinner. Oh, Salty Fish Company sent me some really nice salmon. And it was like, had this <laughs> weird sauce on it that had like pomegranate in it and chili and vanilla. And champagne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and champagne. See, I did have champagne. Fancy. And was that a special promotional thing for Valentine's Day again? Yes. I love that it says the champagne is added to lower inhibition. I know, I was a bit like, <laughs> that's that's a bit like, like <laughs> you have to eat. Also, surely all the alcohol is like cooked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> the thing was like this big. It was like how what? much? Like the sauce. Oh, it that's very like small. Jar. It was quite small. And yeah, like all the alcohol would be cooked out. Like I'd have to literally just like swig it from this little bottle. <laughs> but also, they fish, not sexy. I feel like you think that. Oh. <laughs> but you know, like fondue is supposed to be sexy. Mm. Like you're always eating that in front of like a fireplace. Mm. When do you ever feel sexy after you've eaten a lot of cheese? Like I, but like fish is nice and light. True. I could bang after that. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it wouldn't turn me on. So there's a difference between just not being too full to have sex and actually being turned on and I don't think that fish would turn me on. But just fondue turn me on? Probably more likely than saucy fish company fish. I, I feel don't like know. It's, the food is irrelevant in that situation. It's more the setting. Like you're by the fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you've had like, your food glasses of red deep. Like that is more sexy than saucy fish on a Tuesday night. I, I don't, don't think there's anything sexy about like a pre-packaged fish dish. I agree. <laughs> just wait until you That's eat from it. the saucy fish company. Company. Is this the one that you felt had the most effect? Yes, you rated this the highest on your hornometer. I did, but I think at the end of the day, it was such a weird mix of food. That I was just like, not feeling it. Maybe that's why you were so ill last week. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a weird eating day. Okay, so what were your biggest takeaways? You must have been hungry as well. Yeah, it's not a lot of food. Some strawberries, banana, apple and some fish. And And chocolate bar. I was not very happy this day. (laughs) But then, when I heard back from Alex Fox... She was like, oh, well, could just be a placebo effect. And I was like, well, this is fucking pointless, isn't it? <laughs> Wait, so the whole thing could just not be true? Yeah. About aphrodisiacs? Yeah. Oh. She said, yeah, it could all just be in your mind. So do you think it was in your mind? But I guess if you I ate think, them, no, I don't think it was in my mind. Okay, I think it just happen. didn't feel it. In Maybe, fact, it ruined my Valentine's Day, if anything. <laughs> Maybe you're right, and then it's all about the setting that you're in. So maybe champagne, oysters and strawberries are an aphrodisiac because you're eating them, like, I don't know, in a hotel room. Yeah. Yeah, nice and you're eating them out of choice as well. Like, I wasn't really eating any of this out of choice. Mm. And maybe not all of it, just choose one. Which yeah. one would you pick? None of these. Oh, so what would you pick? I don't know. What does mean? You're <laughs> wise. Probably like pick a mix. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think we'll leave it there. If you enjoyed that, please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. And we'll see you next time. 